Did you mean you forgot that? Or... <laughs> Welcome to the Power to Protect podcast by Raven Controls, a place where we're passionate about events and venue management, a place we want to invite experienced guests and share best practice, and a place to encourage, debate, and learn. Today, we've got a very special guest, and it's someone I know very well. He's an accomplished musician, an unbelievable marathon runner, and importantly, the VP of events for Raven Controls is, of course, Michael Cross. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much, Ian. And I must say right off the top, I didn't know you were going to give me that introduction, so I'm not worthy, but thank you very much for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're delighted to have you here today. So I did mention, though, in that intro that you are an accomplished musician, runner, and of course, I'm biased, but you're an amazing part of the Raven team. So tell me, what motivates you to participate in all these areas at such an elite level? Uh, yeah, well, elite is uh, maybe a stretch of the imagination, but I'm certainly passionate about them all. I'm trying to pick something that runs through them all. It might be, I suppose it might be interesting to, you know, look at the running analogy. Uh, I've spoken about this one a few times recently, and, uh, you know, I, I like to do marathons uh, and compete at an amateur level. Uh, I'm a running club, I'm the captain of my running club, but that means basically admin and stuff like that. But <laughs> anyway, I think that what I learned from running marathons is that there's no hiding place and that you need to prepare short-term goals and long-term goals and have a plan. So to, to run a marathon, it's probably four to six months worth of preparation. You can't wing it in week one or week yeah. four or week six. And so all that, all that goes into that. And I, and I like to think in some ways that that carries through in other parts of my life. Uh, maybe learn from that in terms of, you know, setting yourself those goals with an ultimate end goal and working your way towards that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think... Uh, motivating me yes I'm competitive and I like to do well in whatever I'm involved in but I need to enjoy it and love it otherwise yeah. uh, I'm, I'm maybe not driven in the same way so I'd like to think that those three things that you mentioned I do love them all yeah. Um, and, yeah. and you know and, and with that you know you, you set yourself goals in terms of what it is that you're there for and what you want to achieve you know yeah brilliant yeah and it's clear that you mentioned the word passion as well you know and I think that goes through everything certainly that we do and, and you know clearly you've got a passion for each of those areas as well which is amazing what I'm really interested in as well just now is you know you've had a, a, a long journey in events um, industry to date as well so I want you to take us back to where it all began give us some of your <laughs> early um, experiences in the events world and, and also some of the highlights along the way Do you know as you say taking me back to the start in the events world I started out in the events world I think it was 17 at the time. I was still at school. Uh, I went to university as well, but I was still at school, 17, and I got one of my first part-time jobs was working for the ticket centre at the time, and immediately I was right in the deep end. You might remember Scotland played England, I think in something like 99 or 2000, and my first job was in the phone room selling tickets for that game which turned out to be the media ticketing fiasco. It was a meltdown in the phone room and there was accusations of scandal and all that oh, sort of thing. Um, and that was my first experience of working on that. I was in the phone rooms during the day with all the media uh, in the room and I was on the six o'clock news at night as uh, with the headset on and a, you know, a Scotland flag on my face and everything. And that was my sort of introduction to the, the events world. Thankfully, it's Straight not been so... Yeah, a 17-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But... Uh, 
I mean that that was my introduction there as part time, and I think I think um, from there what I, I was opened up to me was um, the breadth and depth of the events world in Scotland mm-hmm. and the UK, and um, there was a lot of opportunity um, there for me to discover um, the country and events and venues and everything that that meant and it worked around the life that I had in terms of you know university or music or whatever it was that you were doing so yeah. that could, could flex around that and what I did like is I ended up working at a lot of venues up and down the country from okay. so you know small little theatres in Glasgow like the Mitchell or the Kings or the Royal yeah. all of these kind of the Tron all these kind of theatres that I may have never set foot in I ended up yeah. working in box offices or front of house and stuff like that to then the bigger stuff like stadiums and big concerts and everything. So it was a real immersive experience in that and was, you know, thankful for that to kind of have that introduction to um, events, if you like. So it was a little bit by fate, starting off there. Yeah. Um, and, and then taking it from there. You did ask about how right the way through, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. okay. Talk, talk I'll keep it short it. and sweet. But um, <laughs> So, yeah, I um, continued um, doing that and... Um, one thing led to another. There was a few opportunities. Um, as you touched on earlier, I had a little um, flirt with the music industry as well for a while. I'm a keen musician, um, but for a while I got to travel and, and do some cool stuff around that uh, for a couple of years. Nice. Uh, and then my home for a long time was a Scottish event campus, the SEC, yeah. uh, someone I'm very fond of. And I, I kind of feel like I earned my badges there. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've, yeah. Like, I, I worked there. Um, you know, in the box office as well. Did lots of jobs there um, yeah. across the venue and the company. And then there were a couple of opportunities and I worked towards those to get my foot in the door at event planning, which then became event management yeah. and then taking on bigger projects um, and embracing opportunities. And that kind of set me on a course where I kind of found something that I enjoyed, I was decent at, I was passionate about. Uh, and it kind of culminated um, at the end with, COP26, uh, my role was event lead for SEC for COP26. Uh, I'm sure you might ask me about that, but um, that was an amazing experience. And I think that kind of rounded off that sort of chapter of my life really nicely, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> great to hear. A varied um, experience, um, even in a short time. That's amazing, Michael, and uh, brilliant to hear about as well. Even just at that young age, as a 17-year-old, getting thrown straight into that and yeah. <laughs> being on the media as well. I would like to um, know more about your experience uh, with COP26, being a lead planner for that as well. It's such a massive undertaking as well. So tell us more about your role in that and some of the challenges that you were presented with and how you dealt with them during COP26. Yeah, sure. Um, I think COP26, for those uh, those of the listeners that don't know, um, you know, that's the United Nations Climate Change Conference COP26. So it's the biggest international summit the UK's ever hosted, the biggest mm. policing operation in UK history. So that, you know, those things alone, it's, it's a huge event on a massive scale. And, um, you know, we, the SEC, we're the host venue but we were one cog in a much bigger entity, you know, in terms of delivery that was truly global. Yeah. Um, at the SEC alone, you know, our, our site was expanded to two kilometres wide and we had about, you know, I think 56 external temporary buildings that were built. So wow. it was a city within a city. Yeah, and, and then massive. obviously, you know, in terms of the event and delivery, so our client was the UK government. Sure. And all of the, all of the many, many departments with the UK government working on it, and the owner of the event was the UN, United yep. Nations. Um, add into all of that, all of the international stakeholders and the national stakeholders 
we were working as part of a massive multi-agency family to deliver this event. So it was on scales of complexity that I've never seen before. I don't mm. think the SEC or Glasgow have ever have seen before sure. in terms of the amount of people working on delivering it. So mm. just to set the tone in terms of the scale of what it was, um, you know, and it's the most important climate change conference on the calendar. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And it's becoming more and more relevant, more and more important yeah. um, globally in terms of what's happening around the world with the climate. Yep. Um, so bringing it into the SEC a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, my role was event lead for the SEC. And, um, you know, I was responsible for ensuring that we um, delivered on our remit as the host venue and the personnel and everything around that. And as I said, there were but there were many stakeholders that were working with, um, in terms of that delivery. You know, in term, how does it work across the country, across the city, yeah. international travel, logistics, security, yeah. everything else, uh, and where we fit into that. And that's a big part of the challenge when there are so many huge stakeholders and decision makers and everything having a clear direction for you yeah. and your team and where you're going. Um, and how you're going to deliver that. Thankful to say it was a, a real success. There were a lot yeah. of key challenges along the way. Um, and I think probably probably a couple of the biggest challenges um, on that, one of them I would say um, is people or the management of expectations of people. And I guess that is probably relatable to a lot of um sides of the events industry in terms of um you know biggest challenges it might be related to other industries as well but um you know not only the management of your team and leading them um towards the vision of whatever it is you know you're looking to achieve obviously the delivery of that event and everything that's needed along the way sure but also the management of senior management you know managing yeah. upwards as well as downwards yeah, yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. managing expectations of significant mm -hmm. stakeholders yeah. and you might not be the person that's got the remit for what they're looking for but you end up getting quite involved in that and you yeah. want to you want it to be a successful event so i would say the management of all of that people and expectations mm -hmm. and where we should channel our efforts and what you know keeping a remit that was one huge learning yeah um that i took out of it and the other one that's kind of linked to that is is the information if you can imagine the amount of information and data that was sure. involved in cop 26 from all angles mm -hmm. all the planning and everything take a hundred events and multiply it by a hundred in terms of what was happening with all the satellite events happening around the city. It was building for about six months. There was two years yeah. of planning. There was COVID that came in. Yeah. Um, COP26 was the first event that rolled in after NHS Louisa Jordan. Yeah. So the SEC yeah. became a hospital. Yeah. Um, and then when that started breaking in, COP26 was literally rolling <laughs> on the site as yeah, the hospital was leaving. Yeah. And, um, it presents its own challenges as well. It, you it know. did, yeah. And, yeah. and then all of the things that are associated with COVID as well and around yeah. the depleted workforce. Of course. Um, yeah. and, you know, in, in terms of getting that workforce back mm -hmm. and being able to deliver events and not only events, but COP26 and the yeah. amount of resource that's needed. Around. That was a phenomenal challenge to, to pull together and, you know, try and turn it around to make yeah. it work, you know. So what we're all about just now in, in this podcast is sharing best practice as well. So if you're yeah. giving people um, that were undertaking this role in the future any advice for COP26, what would it be? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, do you know, when, when I first took the role for COP26, or was you know appointed the role, if, if for want of a better word, I was in with my, my boss at the time. He won't mind me mentioning, I don't think, Mark, Mark Laidlaw, and he said, would you like the gig? And I was like, well, of course I'd love the gig. You know, that's yeah, a, a dream yeah. come true. That's what I've been working towards yeah. for a long time. And 
So uh, he offered me that, and as I was sort of rounding up and leaving the office, I, I asked him, um, what advice can you give me? And he kept it, I still remember, he kept it really succinct. He said, empower others, just those two words. Mm-hmm. And from that, I knew exactly what he meant. And he was saying, you know, you can't do everything. You can't yeah. be responsible for everything. You can't do it all. Yeah. Empower others, get a wider team to feel involved, feel part of it. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. And, and you know, yeah. it's they, they feel engaged and they're actually making a difference and they've got a role in everything. So it's not sure. just you, that other people can lead as well along Absolutely. the way. So yeah. I think that was probably, I would, if someone was to ask me, that's the advice, that first piece of advice I would pass on. Amazing, I love that, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. important though as well, you know, and I think, you know, from my experience in the events industry as well, you know, quite often, often due to lack of resources as well, people do shoulder a lot of responsibility and take a lot on themselves as well. And just to be able to empower others, it's, it's actually quite a challenging thing to do as well. It is, and I, don't get me wrong, I've, I've learned that over the years I've not done that and I've yeah, yeah. wanted to hoard things in and get things done. Mm-hmm. I've been very guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's certainly been a learning curve to reflect and go, well, I've, I've just wanted things done, so I've did yeah. it my way, but it's, yeah. that's not the best way. It's not sustainable. Sure. Um, it sort of makes me think um, of, of an old quote, I think, if I hope I get this right, I think it's Abraham Lincoln that said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So mm-hmm. it's sort of that feeling of empowerment yeah. for those people feeling motivated, like, oh, I'm, go- I'm gonna take the lead here, I'm gonna for do sure. this. So, you yeah, know, if you yeah, can, yeah. if somehow you can, uh, you know, motivate people to feel like that, yeah. I think that's, that's the way to go you know yeah fantastic i love that (laughs) okay brilliant no really good to hear about that Um, an amazing opportunity to have been involved in that and uh, absolutely yeah but now michael uh, we're pleased that you're the vp of uh, raven events so i'd like for you to tell us a bit more (laughs) about your role at raven um and how you found the first nearly year uh, being with the with the business and how that's been impacted and, and really how you've managed to bring your events experience to bear in, in the role today. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering when you were going to drop that question. I must say, you, <laughs> Ian hasn't given me a script at all today. He wants me to be right off the cuff and keep it natural. Um, but no, absolutely. I um, joined, as you know, Raven back in May last yeah. year. So I've only been in the doors six, seven months. Um, and it was after my role um, in COP26, and you and I have, have known each other for five or six years and, mm-hmm. and worked in some pretty huge projects together and, um, in terms of the planning, and particularly from a major multi-agency point of view, and mm-hmm. I, I've really enjoyed that. And I will admit that with Raven, it wasn't really on my radar until COP26, and obviously you guys got the contract for that, which was amazing. Yeah. And I will also admit, I was a little hesitant um, with yeah. Raven, I was like, what is this new system, this new yeah. software? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know really what I knew of event logging mm-hmm. or incident mm-hmm. management. What is that something that, mm-hmm. you know, people in a control room deal with and sure. security? And it wasn't really something that I thought applied to me. Mm-hmm. But as I've seen it unfold and I've seen, you know, for example, COP26, you had, I think it was a thousand users on the system or something yeah, yeah, like that. And yeah. the amount of control rooms we had across the country, major mm. control rooms, all operation centers, all needing to interlink and everything. And I was able to be on the move and my mobile and have a look at what all those control centers were saying and yeah. see what was relevant to me yeah. at the SEC. You know, what's the latest um, terrorist, terrorism intel? Yeah. Are, the, are the things that, you know, what's happening in protests across the city? What's the sure. latest weather? And yeah. it was a bit of a light bulb moment 
So, yeah. you know, that's, and that's an honest answer. I was like, this has empowered me to see more and hear more and be more informed with decision making. Yeah. So I was enthused by that. There's a massive gap in the market. And when we spoke, uh, when I was looking to come on board, I, I seen a huge opportunity yeah. um, for this in, in the events industry. And so that's why I took the leap of faith. Yeah, that's brilliant. Because I, I'm I glad thought, you this, did. Is, yeah. this is exciting. <laughs> I can see where this is going and I yeah. think I can contribute something to this. Yeah, yeah, sure. Not just for just now, but you know where it's going and you know the, mm-hmm. where it could um, develop in the future and you know solve more problems, provide more solutions and you know could really change things, I think. Yeah, no, and I believe that, you know. Oh, no, that's brilliant and really really interesting to hear as well and I think you know one of the challenges, you know, that the industry faces specifically I think um in the UK and Europe is that digital incident management is a fairly um, new concept, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think being able to understand where that fits within operations is so important. Absolutely, and I think, you know, as you say, incident management, even that term for people sounds a bit archaic or different and everything. I like, and we've spoken of this before, I like to think of um, almost like um, an event delivery how do you deliver your events the yeah. whole holistic thing about sure. it you know but the back end of event delivery how do you deliver your events so yeah. yes there's incident management and the logging which are key functions that you must get right mm-hmm. in order to do it um the right way yeah but then also it's about everything else evolved around how you deliver an event what is the best practice of delivering? can yeah. we establish that can you standardize that and bring levels up globally yeah, yeah um, sure. and give decision makers, management, but also people that work on events that, um, you know, power to, to see things and yeah. be guided through that and set the standards. So I think that's where, where I look at it, you know, in terms of the bigger picture, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where experience and knowledge within the industry is so important. And, yeah. you know, you talked about all the multi-agency stakeholders involved in the delivery of these events as well. And, you know, obviously my background's in emergencies and counter-terrorist planning and working with multiple stakeholders and, massive event deliveries as well and you know that's very much your background in addition to all the events uh, side as well and that's something that i'm really passionate about that you know not only are we using our experience as a team and inputting that into our, our delivery of the software and engaging with the industry but it's also listening to industry experts people that we're working with on a regular basis to get that feedback to inform where the product should go as well because ultimately you know, we, we can make people's life easier and more efficient through using this. Yeah, it? why did you start it then? What, what, where did that come from? And how, you know, is that part of it or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, when you- when Put you me on the spot, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and engaging with the industry, you know, when I left um, the police and started my resilience consultancy business, um, you know, delivering testing and exercise and working with you guys at the SEC and, and numerous um, uh, gigs as well, you know, I could see that across both the stadium environment, the events environment, you know, and, and arenas that there was a real lack of uh, proper logging procedures, but not just that, something that was very important to me was a bit of a lack of integration. And that's where I really could see that we can make a difference with a digital solution for that as well. So that was a catalyst for the beginning of Raven really is, is trying to provide something that would benefit the industry and provide that integrated, coordinated approach to drive, as you say, that consistency and empowerment of people, really. Yeah, totally. And I, I think on that point, for me, um, it's if, if you've got a lot of stakeholders delivering one event, you want mm. them to talk one language. Yeah, yeah. And I, what I mean by that is you want them all to be able to understand each other yeah. and how they do that. 
Uh, I mean, we won't go into it too much, but if you look at the Manchester Union inquiry that's happening yeah. at the moment, a big part of that is how do all those agency groups communicate and understand each other? And Absolutely. there are challenges and, and failings yeah. along the way. So yeah. how, how can you resolve that and, and set standards so that the communication is as good as it can be and that the right yeah. people are doing the right things and that yeah. the decision makers are informed with the right information? Yeah. Uh, and Absolutely, it, you know, yeah. And I think that's that is the important aspect, you know. And there's a combined passion within our team, within our the people that we work with, to drive towards those solutions yeah. as well. And you know, that's what helps inform us to continually develop what we're doing as well to meet the needs yeah. of the industry as well. So, yeah, okay, that's amazing, Michael. Thanks very much. Really interesting to hear about your background in, in a bit more detail there as well in, in terms <laughs> of the events industry. Uh, I did want to ask you though about your music. So tell me about music. How I was afraid of that. <laughs> Why is it important to you in your life? And um, yeah, and, and tell us a bit more about yeah, sure. what you're doing with that just now. Yes, yeah, so I, I play music uh, with my friends uh, in a band. Um, and we started out probably around about the same time as I had my first job, around about 17, 18. Mm -hmm. um, and the ticket centre was telling me about my, my first proper job. Um, and, you know... We played guitars together, and I didn't really study music at school so much. Um, it was more kind of towards the end of school that I picked up a guitar and found a connection with friends, and quite swiftly, we started making songs and recording, and momentum started picking, and it's a kind of special thing when you're in a room with others and mm. there's a chemistry, mm. and realise that this is something that we love here, mm. and... You start building on that and one song becomes three songs becomes five songs and then you have a bit of an identity yeah. that's growing and you have yeah. a sound and you think this is great this is what i want to do and you there's this burning passion inside you to keep doing that and you have this connection with these other three individuals there's four of us and then from there things start happening quite quickly for us um you know we got some management that was interested early on we got a few radio plays we got a few nice support slots and before we knew it we were doing about 100 shows a year and, you know, Amazing. in the back of a van across the UK, went to America a few times, played South by Southwest, all these festivals, oh, wow, did some radio yeah. shows on BBC, cool. etc. And a lot of cool experiences, mm. released an album and some singles, but we didn't make it yeah, per sure. se, as in yeah. it was very hard to sustain money-wise. I mean, yeah. for a while we scraped and I had the part-time job in the events yeah, industry, right. so that kept me going. Okay. Actually, it was a nice link. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was working at theatres or at the SEC part-time mm. to support me doing this. Sure. Um, that was a great experience. And um, as I say, we we, um, we achieved some great things for us personally, but couldn't sustain it long-term. So for a few years, we um, followed um, some other things in life, um, you know, back to uni or whatever, and then regrouped again, um, refound it, kind of a lockdown actually, mm -hmm. um, where mm -hmm. we realised we used to love doing that. We're all still best friends, but we yeah. haven't really put ourselves into it. So we were making music again, and then um, all of a sudden we were back to writing songs that we were before, had an album's worth, went in with the same producer before, and it really surprised us. Um, and having that same ethos of writing it for us and Brilliant. creating and everything, and then very quickly, um, we start working with a small label, in, or a great label in Glasgow, Last Night from Glasgow, they're yeah, called. They're a yeah. non-profit patron set up, okay. brilliant guys, um, and they've got a record shop in Finiston, and now they've got a great collective of musicians and within the music industry, so that was perfect for us. They'll take care of everything, basically, so we can yeah. make the music and they deal with 
press and manufacture and all the stuff around nice. it. And and yeah. now we, you know, delighted to say we've got an album coming out this year. And I wouldn't have thought that five years ago. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that when it was in the mix of delivering COP twenty six <laughs> that we'd be able to. But it's nice yeah, that yeah. I've managed to be able to yeah. follow that, have a bit of balance, and follow that one of those passions really? in my life and do that. Yeah, you you know? know, that sounds amazing. And what's the band called, Michael? Oh, it's we're called Pop Up. Okay. Yes. Where can we hear your new album? Uh, all good record stores, I imagine. Yeah. We've got where well, we do have a vinyl coming out. Yeah. yeah which nice. I'm really excited yeah, about. Yeah, a twelve-inch vinyl record, and obviously be Brilliant. digital as well. But yep. the vi- vinyl record, I think, if you have it out on physical record, there's something quite special. That's that's a bit yeah. of a dream come through. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's brilliant. No, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Really great to hear more about your journey. You know, it's it's been wide and varied as well with lots of experience in there. So brilliant to hear about that today as well. But before we go, um, you know, we want every guest to leave us with their key takeaways. So in your experience today, I want you to tell me and the listeners um, your top three pieces of advice and how to maximise their success in delivering safe, secure and coordinated events, please. You know, thinking about people that are just starting out in their events journey as well. Wow, you're putting me on the spot and asking for three for a specific <laughs> piece of advice, right? Okay, um, let's have a think about this. So I think probably the first one, it's a little bit of a personal mantra, but I certainly apply it and work and I think um, it's done me well. Um, it's an old um, philosophy, folklore um, saying that is wisest is he who knows what he does not know. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably Socrates or Gotha, something like that. Mm-hmm. And basically, what that means is, don't assume that you know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't think that you know the answer to everything. Yeah. If you go in with that open mind, you might come across an answer that hadn't first occurred to you. Yeah. Um, and you'll be wiser for it. You, you know, if you go approach and go, hang on, okay, I think I know what this is, but let's assume that I don't know all of the mm-hmm. parts here and mm-hmm. let's see mm-hmm. where, where it takes through. Yeah, and I yeah. think that approach can apply to life, but de- definitely through work, you know. Yeah. I could pick you a million examples from COP26 or events yeah, over the yeah. last 10 or 15 years where, you know, I might have been guilty of making the wrong decision, but if you try and approach and go, okay, I think this is what I perceive as the issue. Yeah. But let's step back from it and go. There might be parts that I don't know here until I collect as much as I can and try and make that sure. informed. So that would be that would be my first one. Okay. Um, my second one, I think it's you've got to be be yourself and and, and be true yeah. to yourself and who yeah. you are. Like I think, I find that if you if you end up acting or playing up to someone else that you're not or yeah. changing your um, personality or your approach to things because of someone else or because mm-hmm. of a situation or something like that it can it can compromise who you are so I, I okay. think try and always stick to your guns because that's who you are yeah, so I yeah, think that yeah, I think that's the yeah. strongest way to be um, even if you know there'll be challenges along the way with that I think that honesty yeah. and driving with who you are is always best policy and third alright oh, okay there's always three isn't there there is um, okay I'll go with have fun yeah. I, th- I think just yeah, have fun in life yeah, like yeah. life's too short and Absolutely. I think just you know if you can you know have fun with what you're doing because yeah. you know if you enjoy what you're doing and it's fun then that's half the battle in life for and sure. I think that sure. I would throw that in as a yeah. thing you know the first two more serious ones yeah, yeah, but yeah. just have fun like, go with it. That, no, that would be it course, is, yeah. is that okay is that, that that's good perfect <laughs> thank you very much I definitely like in the other um, uh, 
you mentioned about empower people as well. I think that's brilliant as well. Yeah, and empower think, others. You know, yeah, empower others. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that. That's a really that really resonated with me actually. Yeah, and it's a really interesting that's piece. A good but one. no, overall, um, thanks very much, Michael. It's been amazing having you as a guest. Thank you very much uh, for having on the me. very first Raven podcast. So um, yeah. brilliant. And uh, we'll be back um, next month with another guest. Um, thank you to you, Michael. Uh, and I've been Ian Kerr. And this has been the Power to Protect podcast. Thank you.